All right. So, everybody, welcome again to the Illennials Podcast. This is episode 10. We made it, baby. We've arrived. Yes, we hit that, that number 10, not including our Fantastic Bonus episodes. Um, and yeah, we're here. We're the East Coast Illennials. I mean, if, if you don't count episode 0, and you don't count our Last Jedi bonus episode, we're at episode 10. If you count those two, this is actually episode 12. You you did some really simple math right there, and I'm I'm very proud of you. <laughs> I mean, it, don't forget that in college I took uh, I took graphing calculator 101 and made a C. So that's you mean how good math I'm modeling. Well, I mean, I wasn't going to call it that because you the, know what we'll know the about class math. that comes with step by step instructions on how to make an A. Uh, <laughs> no comment on that front. Uh, I'm Smith. Uh, I uh, again keep no titles, so uh, that's who I am. Um, senior ex- executive, higher up in altitude, Seth. Are you really higher up in altitude now than me? I think so. Probably not, but I think so. So I think our, I think where I live is is ninety seven uh, feet above sea level. Let me look up real quick. Um, oh, I'm ninety seven and a half. Oh, you son wow. of a bitch! That's crazy. You'll have a slightly better uh, beachfront property in about uh, fifty years. That's true. That's true. Um, so, I mean, you don't actually have property, though. You're just renting, so you don't actually... Yes, I'm just renting. You're, you're not part of the, the landed gentry yeah, I've class. I've played the property game all wrong. <laughs> I have messed up on every front, because uh, I'm currently locked into a lease, and I'm paying two different rents at the same time, which sucks, because I'm poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, and there's no way to get out of the lease that I don't even use anymore. So, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to live. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is, though. So many people that are yeah. uh, are millennials are not going to be able to ever own a home, you know, which is considered a very quintessentially American thing. Oh, my God. Okay, so before we get into our stories, I have a story to tell, like a real-life story. Okay. Okay, so I just started working um, at this company. Um, like, there's seven people who are all on the same, same level as me, and um, our manager took us out to eat the other night, um, went, took us to dinner and paid for it and everything. Um, and we were talking about how, like, in college, how there's no such thing as an alcoholic, you know, people just drink. Um, and the three of my, uh, coworkers are actually, like, from India. They're, they all lived in India for about, most of them for about 20 years, one of them for only 18 years. Um, so they came from India, and they're going to school in America now. And one of the girls, uh, who's Indian, she said that, uh, this past semester, she would just drink a beer or two before every class. Um, no matter how many classes she had in the day, she would just drink like a beer or two whenever she went back to her apartment. And then one of the, the other Indian girl next to her said, back in India, that's what we call the American dream. <laughs> and I laughed so loud that this entire restaurant looked at me like I was stupid. And nobody else found it as funny as me. I mean, what more could but you yeah. want than to start That's, that's the, the American dream, apparently. Man. So. I mean, I used to put, like, like beer in my cereal and eat it outside on the porch in college. It was pretty fucking great. Okay, that's that's just degenerate level How's that stuff out there. <laughs> what? It was a good time. Having a little beerios, sat on the porch with no shirt Beer- on. You said, you told that whole story just so you could say beerios. <laughs> you told, you set yourself up and you think you're clever. I, I mean... I don't know. Like I, I'm trying to think of. I don't think I ever actually ate Cheerios. That was a thing. I, I did. I did. I did create the name just for the joke because I was always eating beer and like 
Frosted Flakes, which now makes me feel nauseous when I think about it, but I used to eat it all the time. It was great. All right, but speaking of Americans and dreams, mm. I think we have a first story to talk about that you wanted to kick off. Uh, yeah, I want to. I want to start off this podcast, and I want to come. Uh, I want to come correct. I want to to start us off strong, episode ten, with a big old fuck you, Chuck Schumer. Fuck you, right in your fucking stupid New York asshole. Because I mean, did you hear what happened? Do you did you see what what, what this motherfucker did? You're talking about the Democrats and uh, giving up DACA. Yeah, they they shut down the government for about five minutes, and the, yeah. the the Republicans called it the Democrat shutdown, and that was all it took for Chuck Schumer's fucking dick to retract up into his fucking asshole. And then they ended it on Monday before anything had really happened, and anyone even really knew what was going on. And then another day later, they were they were like, "Okay, guys, when we come back on February eighth, we're gonna we're gonna shut it down again if you don't have something to do." For the dreamers, and then what fucking happens? They drop the goddamn issue. The, uh, the motherfucker Chuck Schumer put out a tweet where he said that the Republicans are going to have to explain to the dreamers why they don't have a plan for 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 them not being deported. Motherfucker, they want them to be deported. They don't give a fucking shit about them. This is what they want. They're not going to yeah. explain shit. Yeah, and it's, it's just, it's a part of this pattern that um, we've been seeing for, I mean, even since the Obama years, um, even when Democrats were, you know, quote-unquote in power, um, of Democrats um, giving up any any um, issues that are on their agenda just to, just to appease the Republicans um, for what seems to be just, I mean, pussy reasons, like just real dumb, um, cowardish, uh, coward uh, coward, coward. That's what I'm trying to say. They're, They're fucking cowards. cucks. They're fucking cucks is what they are. Cuck yes. fucking Schumer and his shit yes. eating, boot licking fucking party have decided to give up on these people that they promised they would help. They said, "Hey, we're gonna take care of you. We're gonna if you come to the government, if you come to this Dream Act, and you tell us you're here, we're going to give you a path to citizenship. We're gonna help you." And what the fuck do they do? The first chance they get, they drop them completely. Because what you can understand is. Chuck Schumer and all those motherfuckers don't have any skin in this game. They're not illegal immigrants. They don't know any any illegal wait, immigrants. Wait, you mean, you mean Chuck Schumer isn't Cuban? What? I, 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 dude, it made me so fucking mad because, I mean, I don't even know why we expected them to do anything to try and help. I mean, I thought that had for once the Democrats had drawn like a line in the sand. You know, like this is this is where it fucking ends right here for keeping these people. And then the next thing you know, they just fucking drop it. And then, did you see the later development that happened after that? No. You did not see the fact that Trump then said that he supports a legal pathway to citizenship for, for, for oh, dreamers? yeah, I saw that, that tweet or whatever where he was like, or it was, I think it was from Associated Press that was like, you know, breaking news, Trump supports the path or whatever. With, with fucking Stephen Miller heading it up. I'm not sure if you know who Stephen oh. Miller is. Oh, it sounds like you do, actually. Yeah, I think they talked about him on John Oliver one time, and it was very funny. Stephen Miller is this little fucking toe-headed fucking creep from Santa Monica, California, who... Pull the picture. Yeah, his entire life has been predicated on, on 
being like a provocateur, you know, like uh, saying. Oh yeah, that's the guy that looks like uh, Polly Shore. Yeah, it looks like fucking Polly Shore. If Polly Shore hit yeah. the fucking skids, you know, this motherfucker, uh, like like in high school, he made like you know uh, speeches about how uh, you know if Mexicans and illegals had to go back to their country because they're they're not Americans. I was kind of bullshit and when like was laughed yeah. off stage and people were like, yeah, Steve Miller got owned. Like he got, he got, he got, you know, public million. No, that he word. wanted that. What'd you say? You know that we keep, we've, we've discussed it a couple times on here, the word owned and how it's used in journalism. Yeah. And, and how, or on Twitter. They, yeah. They use it entirely incorrectly. Like people, people like Stephen Miller. And I know we talked about it with, uh, what's the ethno state guy, Richard Spencer. Yeah, Richard Spencer, how they get owned all the time, but you know, not really. No, because they, they they don't they don't care. They don't want an actual engagement. They want your attention. That's all they care about is is get their name somewhere in a headline, you know. And then I, I looked up Stephen Miller, and it says people also search for Sebastian Gorka. I mean, dude, Sebastian Gorka's on the run right now. Did you see that shit? No, like they issued a warrant for his arrest. Uh, oh, over in some European country. <laughs> And his ass is like dodging the fucking cops and shit. Like, but don't worry, man. He 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 carries he carries two handguns that use two different calibers of ammunition, and he oh, can yes. he can tie a tourniquet with one hand, which is physically yes. impossible. But anyways, back to the fucking so like uh, Steve Miller and his bullshit. Stephen Miller, I I guess that a fucking uh, uh, an immigrant at one point fucking stared at his five head for too fucking long, and. <laughs> This motherfucker lost his mind and has and now says they had to all have to go. And he's the one heading this up. And the criteria that he has for for the new immigration plan that's coming with this this dreamer deal is that over the next few years, like a decade or so, they want us to start stepping down how many um, unskilled labor immigrants that they as they think of them. Uh, who come into the country in favor of skilled labor. So, you know, like computer programmers and doctors and fucking shit like that. Mm-hmm. And so they, they, they keep making this argument of, of skilled, skilled immigrants, skilled immigrants. They want to come here and they, they, they only want like fucking lawyers and, and goddamn rocket scientists to come to America. That's not who's coming to America. They don't want to come here. There's nothing here for them. Yeah. It's, it's fucking absurd. Like, the reason that all these, as they call them, and I hate using this word, but it's like you have to, unskilled labor comes to America is because this is where the jobs are for them, you know? Like, there's not shit to do in their own countries, so they come here because they know that there will always be room for more housekeepers, more janitors, more construction workers, more uh, fucking uh, vegetable pickers out there in the, the fields. We'll always need them, at least until we fucking get robots that can do it for them. And yeah. and then we, I guess we put them in the fucking gas chambers, which was going to happen to the dreamers. And yeah, and those aren't jobs that you can give to, you know, these regular, I, I hate to say it, but you know, these regular Americans who don't do those jobs. They don't. Yeah. I mean, it's just, anytime you, anytime you see a video about, you know, like uh, unskilled laborers in America, there's maybe one or two... Uh, non-Hispanic, non, you know, ethnic people there. Let's just yeah. say it, white people. Yeah. Because we've been, we don't do those jobs anymore. We've been, we've been, uh, fucking sold a, a higher standard of living than that, as we think of it. So people don't want to go do that backbreaking work anymore because, I mean, who, who wants to do it? Who wants to go out there and do that shit? 
And yeah. But the thing is that some people, and I'm not saying that, that Hispanic people or, or immigrants want to do that kind of work, but it's what they can do. And those motherfuckers want to live, you know? Like, they don't, they, they're not fucking around. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's, oh, go ahead. It's something I've noticed, like, I, I told you, I, um, I work with, there's three Indian girls I work with and one Pakistani dude um, who work with me now. And, you know, it's just, as part of the conversation, I'm always like, you know, what made you want to come to America? And the, the, every, like, the unanimous thing is just like, it, it, honestly, for people who want to work and especially like within technology or any kind of a field, it's just better here. And they said, and they, they even told me that, you know, that like the political landscape isn't that good in America right now, but you'd still be surprised how much better it is for them here and how much, and uh, just how much uh, they kind of idealize it over in their country. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was so crazy for me to hear because I was, I, I thought that maybe these days it would be. You know, just like, oh, maybe we don't even want to go to America anymore, but I was wrong. Yeah, I mean, I look around at our at our town, you know, where we come from, and, yeah. you know, when we were kids, when we went to school, um, the split at our public school was like 60-40 white-black, I think, somewhere yeah. in there. It was almost by the dead time I, By the time I graduated, it was probably uh, pretty even between white, black, and Hispanic, yeah. and a little bit of Asian thrown in, but it was, I mean, it was... For a small southern town, surprisingly diverse. Well, that's the thing is you always see these these depictions of, of rural America as being nothing but white people. And it's like, that's a depiction of like the Midwest or the northern rural areas. Down here in the south, you know, there are incredibly diverse populations of people that are, that are living out in, you know, rural areas because that's where they've always been, you know? And yeah. it, it sickens me sometimes to see these diagnoses of, of, of rural America as being racist. And, you know, there's lots of racism around here. Don't get me fucking oh, yeah, wrong me on wrong. that front. But the thing is that there's still a, a higher proportion of the population that are, you know, black. Or now we, we got a lot of, uh, you know, there, there are a few Asian people. We got a lot of Indian people around here now running. Yep. Uh, I know the stereotype is always that Indian people run uh, uh, gas stations or whatever. But that's that, that shit's true. And they, yeah, I mean, it, it's really uh, gas stations and hotels. I mean, I, I had two of there's there's two, like, Indian families who went to school with me when I was in high school. One of them owned a hotel. One owned a convenience store. It's I mean, it's it's true. And the thing about it is, it works. they work fucking hard. Oh yeah, now all of them are in college, and one of them, I think, one of them just became is about to become a doctor. One of them's going to be a chemical engineer, and the other guy is going to be like a CPA. So. Their parents do this really shitty work um, so that their kids can actually do really good stuff. And, and what would you call that? The American dream. Exactly. That's the American dream is the idea that anybody can make it. You know, if you come here and you work hard, anyone can make it. And we want to deny that to people now. We want, we want to tell them, no, you can't come here and make it. Um, because, I mean, there's this this dumb fucking idea that there's that, that there's not enough to go around or that you know we don't like the, the, they're taking your jobs they're not taking your jobs they're not and no. the jobs you thought you had like those factory jobs those are gone not because mexicans moved here they're gone because the fucking the, the capitalists moved them over to to asia and africa where labor is cheaper and they don't have any protections you know oh but but Trump has saved us. Chrysler's coming back. 
Yeah, Chrysler's bringing, what was it, like 3,000 fucking jobs to some plant in, yeah. in nowhere fucking Michigan? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure 3,000 jobs is going to fucking solve it. And, you know, right now, you know, a, an issue as well is fucking, have you seen this, this frankly disgusting fucking Amazon is making cities bid for their business? Have you seen this shit? That, that is the topic I was about to transition into. Uh, go right ahead. I'm so glad for this. So we just talked about how, you know, with the Dreamers, there's a bunch of Democrats who are idiots and cowards. Um, but there's an article on Inquisitor about some Democrats who are smart and uh, are not afraid to say what they, they mean. So right now, and if you don't know, uh, in September of 2017, Amazon decided they're going to set up HQ2, which is going to be their second headquarters um, to, because they've expanded so much they needed new headquarters. And they've gotten the list down to 20 cities. Um, I'll just read them off. Toronto, Columbus, Indianapolis, Chicago, Denver, Nashville, L.A., Dallas, Austin, Boston, New York City, Newark, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Montgomery County, Washington, D.C., Raleigh, Northern Virginia, Atlanta, and Miami. So... Uh, the big theory is that they're going to go with an East Coast city, but the big problem with this whole HQ2 thing is that um, state and local governments are offering huge incentives to Amazon to um, to make the headquarters there. Some even giving up to $7 billion in tax breaks and basically just paying them back all the taxes they would get anyway. And so... Uh, there are some people who are against it, uh, which is good. Uh, one guy with the best name I've ever heard, Richard Florida, <laughs> who is a University of Toronto professor, has said, you know, basically that this this bidding war is, what's the word he uses? You know, first of all, he said we shouldn't be spending our money to get a $500 billion company to come to your city you should use if you're going to use that kind of money anyway you should use it for public transit schools and parks and yes here's here's the quote cities should not compete against each other in a race to the bottom which i think is a good way to put it yeah so that's that's um a quote from and i'm gonna destroy this name Rohit Rokana, who is a representative for california 17th congress okay Rokana, i like that guy yeah and then um, another person who came out against it is our boy Keith Ellison. Yes. Um, tweeting, tax breaks to Amazon promised by New Jersey are $7 billion. Tax breaks promised by Illinois, $2 billion. Something is deeply wrong with our economy and democracy when local governments offer up their tax base to a corporation worth over $500 billion. And that's exactly what it is. Um, these, these state and local governments are literally trying to get this huge company to come to them in the hopes that they're going to break even while also making them have to making Amazon has sacrificed nothing for this decision. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw one crazy ass plan from some some city in uh, uh, Wisconsin or something where they were going to take the fucking payroll taxes paid to Amazon workers, the ones taken out of paycheck by the state government, and give them directly to Amazon. Yes. So the the say the employees are still getting taxed but they are going but then that money they're getting taxed is basically just them paying the company they're working for just to work there exactly it, it i can't think of a fucking grosser goddamn 
you know, move than to take the money that's supposed to go into the state government, you know, things that will pay for roads and, you know, uh, uh, public services and give it to the company just for the fucking, the, 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 the fucking... The privilege. The privilege of as, having as to they, be in your city. And, and I mean, the weird thing is, go ahead. to me is that, yes, that... The thing is, you shouldn't be giving them that money mostly because you're going to need that money to improve your infrastructure for when they fucking come. Because... I mean, I've been in big cities like, you know, we, we're from Georgia. We've been to Atlanta. If Atlanta gets chosen for this, Atlanta is going to become an actual hellscape. It's already bad now, but it's going to become a whole lot worse. It'll be a fucking, uh, a yuppieized fucking, uh, yes. we'll see, we'll see fucking gentrification on a level that you can't even imagine if, if, if fucking Amazon moves to Atlanta. Yes. The how any place this moves to, the housing market is going to go crazy, um, your property is going to be worth, like, property around the area is going to be worth so much more because of this weird idea we have that property should be worth anything. Um, and, it's, and your public transit is either going to have to be vastly improved or entirely overhauled. And your regular, just your road system is going to have to, is going to not only suffer, but also have to be improved upon every few, every, like, three or six months, I would say just to keep up with what's going to happen from this headquarters. And this all sounds really good on paper. Like, yeah, great. We're going to get better trains and buses and our our stuff, our houses will be worth more. Except the fact that most of that money is going to go directly to the fucking top. Like, you're going to see very little improvement in your actual life. Yes. Like and in my opinion, Amazon should pay like Amazon should pay for all those things. Like if they move to a city, they should pay to um, they should pay, first of all, for either a company, like cheap company housing for their people to live in, and also to improve the city's uh, transit system. Because they have $500 billion, they can spare it. Yeah, to be honest, Amazon should be bidding to the cities instead of the other, other way around. Exactly, and that's the, that's the whole idea as to the only way to combat this, which, I mean, it will never happen, but the only way to combat this is for every city to, you know, say, no, we're not. They have to come together and say, we're not going to give any tax breaks. We, you know, whoever you choose, it's going to be the city that is going to best fit your interest. And you're going to have to, you know, do some of the heavy lifting. You pay um, us, because, asshole. Because right now, because right now, like, let's say you're a city and you actually make, like, let's just say what could be considered a sensible bid. Like, you want to give them some tax breaks, maybe something small. I know Toronto's thing was, we might improve our public transit system. Best bid so far. Um... Like even if you make a sensible bid, you're automatically out because the next the next city is just gonna say, "Oh yeah, seven billion dollars. We'll pay you back all your taxes." Uh, Jeff Bezos can go into anybody's house and sleep there whenever he wants, <laughs> and that's it because you you literally can't make a sensible bid. Jeff Bezos gets get prima nocta for all women in the city the first yes. night of their marriage. Jeff yes, Bezos exactly. is is exactly. allowed to fuck them, and that's what it's that's what it is. You can't even make a sensible bid or even try and court them through what I would call logic, you know, I mean, like, hey, if you move here, these are the benefits that your company will get, maybe not, you know, just from our government, um, but you can't do it, because if you do, you're automatically out. Which is just fucking wild to me, is how I think about this, because, I mean, Amazon is a company that, I mean, we all use it, let's let's not fucking kid ourselves here, no yeah. one's fucking getting off Amazon for any reason, because it's too fucking useful, and that's the problem is, is... It's like the idea of too big to fail. It's too useful to ignore. So you're going to have to yes. fucking use it. And the other thing about it is, is that they 
fucking exploit their workers so badly in their warehouses, in their fucking actual, like, tech divisions even. People are worked to the fucking bone over this shit. Yep. And, and and all that money, all that $500 billion is, I mean, Jeff Bezos is worth, what, $94 billion or some shit? Yeah, $94 billion. Between 94 and 96 and it's, uh, it's disgusting. He's one of the richest people in the fucking world off the backs of, of people like our friend, the guy who did our, our logo for our, our podcast, Marcus, yes. worked in one of their fucking Amazon warehouses, and the benefits for him were great. He said that, you know, he got, he, he was paid well, he had, you know, uh, uh, insurance and stuff through them, but they fired him for working at 99.7% efficiency. It, yep. He fucking missed one box or some shit, uh, uh, or was like three seconds late on one box, and next thing you know, you're fucking out the door, and that's just... It, a system that, that, that allows a, an employer to get rid of you for operating at not 100% efficiency at all times is a fucking unjust system. Yeah, and I mean, Amazon, first of all, Amazon is trying to do, you know, robots only anyway. So they're they're trying to destroy jobs um, and get rid of any kind of human worker, especially in their warehouse division. Um, and in their their new uh, retail stores they're doing. Yeah, um, I, I saw. Actually, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I, I saw a survey of of like factory workers, not factory workers, warehouse workers in America that said that uh, like like something like seventy percent of them were not afraid of a machine taking their job. And all I can think of is that fucking Boston Dynamics video of that fucking like ninja robot backflipping over fucking shit. I'm like, yeah, we'll see how long you fucking have that job. Yeah, and that's one thing and we've we've talked about it probably too many times already, but it's where we're gonna our culture and our economy are gonna reach a breaking point where sure these big tech companies and all this they can keep automating and they can keep making uh, they can keep taking away jobs they can keep automating everything, but eventually if you automate too many jobs there's not be enough people to even pay for the stuff you make and the stuff that you sell. So where's your profit base coming from? And that's when the the whole idea of universal basic income or something something's going to have to give, because um, eventually if you know all these especially blue collar jobs, which I mean make up like almost half the job market, probably even more, um, if they're all taken away, I mean that's half of all people who can't even pay for stuff anymore. Yeah, I mean, here's my here's my pessimistic, nihilistic prediction of how things are going to go, okay? All right. Here, here's how Smith sees the world going if we don't fucking do something at some point. Is they're going to continue to automate more and more jobs. They're going to keep fucking uh, uh, putting people out of work or they're, they're sh- or shifting labor to more and more vulnerable sections of the world to exploit them for cash until they have the fucking robots, the technology, to not need human workers anymore. So they cut human workers out of the loop entirely. And then you have a problem. You have the issue of what are you going to do with all these people who don't have, they don't have, you know, jobs, don't have any kind of fucking yes. way to support themselves who are now going to be, you know, starving on the streets because we don't have a, a social security, you know, safety net to save people from, from this kind of situation. Um, and, and here's where, here's where people are going to be like, oh, Smith, you're, you're a crazy person. You're a fucking loon. No, it's fucking real. They're going to fucking build goddamn, uh, uh, drone robots and shit. And they're going to start killing people. They're just going to start murdering people. 
They're going to blow up the fucking map. They're going to shoot him in the fucking head. They're going to flamethrower him. They're going to drop goddamn neutron bombs on the ghettos and shit. And they're going to annihilate us all. They're going to get rid of all the poor people. And we're going to live in a, a, a fucking world where goddamn uh, fucking Peter Thiel uh, uh, bathes in the blood of fucking cloned virgins. Like a fucking modern day Elizabeth Bathory as his fucking yeah. robot horde battles Elon Musk's fucking uh, uh, light robots from the fucking sun. And we'll all be fucking dead. There's no place for us in this fucking future. The future of the world, and mark my fucking words about this is communism, but the communism is going to have to ask itself, who's it for? Is it for just these, you know, 20 people, or is it for everybody? That's where we're fucking heading. Yeah, because as we saw, the study just came out that 82% of wealth created in 2017 went to the 1%. They already controlled about 98% of the wealth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The, the, the 1% has, I mean, so much fucking money. Like, it's an incalculable amount of money at their disposal. And I mean, when we're left with fucking with with scraps, you know, and yep. our, and our politicians, their only function in a capitalist society is not to serve the people. It's not to help us. The, serve the corporations. Yeah, their function is to to suckle at the teat of the corporations and take whatever fucking uh, little bits, little rewards that our corporate masters will hand down to them uh, in yep. in exchange for making their lives easier and not ours. And we need a radical shift in our politics and the people we elect to office because the two the two parties right now and you know what fuck that libertarians as well are the same the same way only exist to uphold and serve the powers of the capitalist class they don't give a shit about their people they they pretend to they play to your fucking virtues or, or not to your virtues to your fucking values like you'll see democrats who you know are you know pro fucking uh, uh you know gay marriage or whatever that's good we want that for sure I yes. agree with that because I am, you know, at the, at my heart on the, the left wing side of things. But then you got Republicans who are like God and guns and stuff like that for the for the the right wing people. And it we're in both sides, left and right, the political spectrum are just getting played uh, by the center, whose only purpose is to serve the fucking the people who exist in power already. They don't give a shit about this. They're just using it as window dressing to continue passing the same fucking policies. The only slight shade of difference is that under under a, a, a liberal society, a liberal fucking uh, overlord will have um, you know slightly better social rights. But but no, you can't get paid more. You 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 might have a a, a black CEO, but you know he's still gonna be a billionaire, and you'll still be fucking uh, most black people will still be living in a fucking gutter, making nothing by comparison. That's the fucking difference. Yeah. So speaking of along those lines, um, I get—I mean—I'm a huge fan of Jay Z, but I must have missed—he said something to Donald Trump about uh, black poverty. Oh yeah, that I, I saw that Donald Trump responded to him with a tweet about this, right? Like he said something about. Yeah, but I don't—I don't know what when Jay Z said something to Donald Trump about black poverty. I mean, well, Donald Trump is a huge fucking uh, uh, media queen, so he's probably just consumed some bullshit. Uh, that, mm-hmm. that Jay-Z said not, not bullshit Jay-Z's probably fucking honest you know he's probably saying some real real fucking shit but you know Donald Trump doesn't care he doesn't give a shit about this and and his whole thing about you know reducing black unemployment or something or black poverty it's just insane he's just he's just a fucking like uh, he's just obsessed with his image is all you found that okay so oh, go ahead I looked it up and apparently Jay-Z did an interview with Van Jones on CNN 
and that's when he, he criticized um, Donald Trump's policies about uh, specifically black unemployment. And that's why Donald Trump came back and was like, you know, informed Jay-Z that it's been at the lowest rate ever. And it's just being an absolute baby about everything and not even looking at, you know, true statistics. Well, I mean, the thing is, is that, yes, true, black poverty has, has our unemployment, whatever. Is it that poverty or unemployment that, that was being talked about in the statistic? I believe um, unemployment. Yeah, black unemployment has dropped. Okay, cool. Right. Gotcha. But it hasn't dropped that much compared to how much it dropped under Obama. And second of all, under both Obama and Trump, the most important number is not the unemployment number. It's not that. It's it. There's no number that expresses it. It's how many of those jobs that are being taken by black people and people in general are actual good jobs. You know, yes. not part-time or gig economy bullshit where you drive a fucking car for Uber like a fucking slave is an actual job with benefits and vacation and shit like that. And they're not. They're not good jobs. Yeah, that's, um... We're getting into a culture of these weird uh, temporary positions and stuff um, where you don't get benefits and you don't really get treated like a full-time employee. And... Sorry, I just yawned. I, that never I've never listened to a podcast and somebody yawned. How how does that never happen? Because the other people who make podcasts are uh, professionals first of all. Professionals. And yes. also they they edit their audio to cut that stuff out. Oh, okay. Well, we can skip all this. So, yeah, it's it's a big thing about temporary positions and as you mentioned the gig economy where companies will hire you on and they will give you some sort of paycheck. Well, it it could even it could even be a relatively high paying job or a relatively low paying job. But then after, you know, three, four, six months, you're out. You've got to find another one of these temporary positions, and you got to keep supporting yourself off of that for however long. And you're, I mean, and if you're getting that, you're probably a millennial. You probably have student debt. You probably have all these other loans and other things you have to pay for. And, yeah, you're just constantly uh, just trying to balance out the checkbook. Yeah, I mean, like, I saw this fucking, like, poster, not in person, but I saw a picture of the Internet uh, from, like, I guess a subway somewhere that was like, you're a doer, you know, you get up at, at 5 a.m. and you slam some fucking coffee and then you're out the door to your job and you get done with your job at 5 and you fucking slam another coffee and you're up to your second job. Then you're driving for Uber and all this kind of bullshit, you know, basically saying like, you are willing to do the things it takes to live, but the implication of that ad is other people aren't. Yes. Sleep for one hour a night, work all day, and make enough money just to support that one hour of sleep that you get, basically. I mean, the, the last time that labor uh, uh, conditions were that bad in this country was, I mean, the fucking uh, Gilded Age, you know? It was the Pinkertons driving a train into a mining camp and opening up with a machine gun on tents of women and children and sleeping men. It That's that's where we're at. We're not quite at the point where corporations are murdering us yet, but we might get there before long, and they're treating us like trash already. Yeah, I mean, and I, I'm with you. There's, there, there's, there's, like, probably a ridiculously fine line between the billionaires uh, working with the government to give us um, universal basic income to keep them swimming and them literally just murdering us in the street. There's probably a very thin line between those two things. Yeah, I mean, it really depends on what's better for their bottom line. you know. And it could be that my predictions are, 
are, are, are too dark and they'll just fucking, they'll just turn us into a fucking society of drugged up, uh, uh, fucking, uh, fame obsessed, you know, idiots that sit around all day and watch TV and they'd be fine with that. You know, idiocracy yeah we all get a basic income from from uh our benevolent masters who then remain in power which is why i think ubi is a is a good idea but it needs to be tempered with a change in our politics you know yes yeah, that's the thing with universal basic income is that it can actually be argued from both you know our side on the left and the very corporate uh I mean, I'm not even quite, I wouldn't call them all right-wing. They're probably, you know, like, like liberals mm-hmm. who are these technocrats or whatever who aren't your, what you're saying, give us the money and lull us into, you know, just dumb, fucking know-nothing, uh, sedentary lifestyles. And then there's the, the, the good vision where we have created a either communist or socialist government and the universal basic income is make sure that everyone's taken care of because everyone's equal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I mean, I'm not really sure Mark Zuckerberg is arguing for UBI because he, you know, wants to divest himself of all his, you know, his resources and 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 feed him back into the into the society. No, he he's doing it for selfish if reasons. If he wanted to do that, he would do that already. Right. Exactly. It's it's driven entirely by selfishness, and the, the idea that if we aren't getting paid, we'll come for him, which is true. Yeah. We'll definitely fucking start busting the, the pitchforks and shit. Um, so, uh, that's another thing we've, we've talked about now. I want to discuss one thing. Uh, I want to kind of loop back around at the beginning of this podcast. We talked about the dreamers and I want to bring to light an article, uh, that I read today by a man who we have not talked about before, but we should probably start talking about him more. Uh, his name is Ross, uh, Douthit. You ever heard of this guy? He is a, uh, a writer or an op-ed columnist for the New York Times. And uh, his his latest article uh, that came out, looks like yesterday, is called The Necessity of Stephen Miller. I have that open on my computer. Are you fucking kidding me right now? Yes, because I was looking up Stephen Miller, I decided to open this article. That's amazing. Um, Ross Douthit, uh points out in his article here that... We, you know, we've had 12 years of failed attempts at immigration reform, and they're trying now again with Stephen Miller, who in this picture is insanely menacing looking. I was looking. about to say, isn't, I was going to send you this earlier, I looked it up, isn't it, it, it great, the picture they chose, where it's, it's like, uh, they got Sam Esmail from Mr. Robot to shoot this, because he's in the very corner, and behind a pillar, you can only see half of him. Yeah, half his body is obscured by a pure white pillar. Hmm, interesting. It's incredible. Interesting imagery on that one. Uh, yeah. And it's just him alone, and he's holding like a paper behind his back. And you could not ask for a better... Like, this is the first guy that James Bond has to go through in the movie to get to, to get to Sebastian Gorka. This is this is the first step on that road. Yeah. Um. But yeah, this this article is pointing out that uh, uh, it's a typical centrist um, uh, fucking perspective of we need to have Stephen Miller at the table because he may be a right wing extremist on on uh, immigration, but hey, at least he has a plan that is not entirely crazy because you know it's again it's the reducing unskilled labor and bringing in skilled labor type stuff. 
Yeah. It's it's that, and it's like, but hey, hey, he's he's willing to compromise with with people over this. Maybe maybe he's not all bad. To which I say, uh, no, fuck you, you 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 get the fuck out of here. You know, like he's not trying to compromise. This is giving them everything they want. You know. Yeah, it's like this. From what I've I've, I've skimmed it just a minute, it just seems like he's kind of bargaining against himself. Because it's, it's, and it's kind of the state that, you know, Democrats are in right now. It's like, he, this guy, this Doug, what's his name, Ross Douthat or whatever, mm-hmm. he's willing just, he's just like, yeah, let's, let's give up 90% of all freedom anyone who isn't white would have in America just so we can have that 10%. But hey, at least we get that 10%, right? Yeah. Here's what he says here in his last uh, three paragraphs, which are, are short. Um, but if you think that lasting deals are forged when all sides are represented, you might consider making a counteroffer. For instance, the same rough blueprint, but with more green cards for skilled immigrants, so that Miller gets his cut to low-skilled immigrants, but the overall rate stays closer to the status quo. I don't know if there's a deal to be had along those lines. Restrictionists might rebel, and Democrats might simply not want a grand bargain with this president. But a bargain that actually reflects the shape of public opinion, not just the elite consensus, can only happen when someone like Stephen Miller at the table. It's insane. Fucking, first of all, the status quo sucks. The status quo is yeah. bad. That like, shouldn't we be aiming to change the status quo, not maintain? The status quo is the reason point? we're in this problem. It, it's it's the reason that things are so shit. It's because things are fucking shit. This is a fucking tautological fucking argument. And then he's talking about how, you know, a bargain that reflects the shape of public opinion. Are we calling Stephen Miller some kind of fucking everyman? Some kind of, like, average Joe whisperer? Right. Does Do you think that this fucking uh, uh, bald-headed little fiend knows what the, the American public wants? No. He doesn't fucking know. It's... Uh, you know, recent polling has indicated that people like the dreamer. People want a dreamer to stay, and this motherfucker is just mad, right? Yeah, he's just an angry little fucking uh, 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 ugly white supremacist who has you know wormed his way into the to the highest halls of power in America. It, it's it's yeah, fucking I mean, ridiculous. This whole argument is basically like saying, "Oh, don't worry, let them build the wall because some people will still be able to climb over it." Oh you know, God. it's a weird. It's it's just a really dumb way of arguing that Stephen Miller has any use at all, and I'm starting to question. I mean, I guess this is op ed, but the New York Times ha- need to have some better judgment than to let this shit get on. I mean, the New York Times is inherently sort of a uh, of a of a right wing uh, thing, even though we like to pretend that it's not. That's like NPR. Yeah. NPR is inherently conservative, even though. The because it has public in the name, all the right wing people scream about it being liberal, but really they just they just they just repeat at best centrist points of view and at worst straight right wing propaganda. Um, so is there anything else you wanted? You got any other uh, topics for us? Uh, no, not off the not off the top. Just you know the regular wanting to burn everything down and hoping I never wake up again. I uh, I, I keep looking at pictures of Stephen Miller, dude. And every time I do, yeah. his his five head just turns into a six head, and it's just getting. I just had bigger. like six tabs open with nothing but his uh, his face, and and the source decision I've ever made. Yeah, it's it's a fucking uh, panopticon of fucking nightmares in there, but I do have one more article that I wanted to discuss. Um, All right. 
this is from David Brooks of the New York Times, who, let's just say he's a name. He's definitely a name. And right. uh, this article is called The Jordan Peterson Moment. Now, do you know who Jordan Peterson is? No. He is a college professor. He's a, he's a, a right-wing intellectual. Okay, that's what he calls himself. Uh, fucking uh, uh, imagine that fucking paradox uh, of a right wing intellectual uh, who has mostly got like YouTube now. He's all on YouTube, and he is mm-hmm. a uh, he's like an entryway, like a, like a cult uh, sort of like opening into into the right wing for a lot of dudes because he sounds smart and he can comport himself with some fucking uh, dignity on on camera and. He's written books and shit, like his one called The Twelve Rules of Life. Let me talk to you about this real quick, okay? All right. Uh, To quote the article from David Brooks over over here at uh, the New York Times. Again, New York Times, come on, man. Uh, (laughs) But what's most interesting about Peterson's popularity, especially the success of his new book, Twelve Rules for Life, is what it says about the state of young men today. The implied readers of his work are men who feel fatherless, solitary, flaunting in a moral in a chaotic moral vacuum, constantly outperformed and humiliated by women, hunted by pain and self-contempt. At some level, Peterson is offering assertiveness training to men to whom society is trying to turn into emasculated snowflakes. Mm, that word, snowflakes again. My favorite part here is when he says outperformed and humiliated by women. Um, fucking... <laughs> it's like if you're being outperformed and humiliated by women, maybe you just suck. Maybe it's just that these people, not these women, these people yeah. are better than you. You know? Uh, yeah. I mean, anyone who can muster up an argument that women, in some way, as far as. Um, never mind. If the women have it easier than men in America, you're crazy. Yeah. It's okay? insane. So women don't have it easier. I've been to college, I've been in the workplace, and uh, any woman who is any more successful than a man had to work about ten times as hard. And even more than that if she is of a minority as well. Oh yeah. And here's another fucking uh, uh, choice uh, paragraph from this. It's, uh, for much of Western history, he argues, Christianity restrained the human tendency towards barbarism. But God died in the 19th century, and Christian dogma and discipline died with him. That gave us the age of ideology, the age of fascism and communism, and with it, Auschwitz, Dachau, and the Gulag. That was almost like the beginning. It was almost the most badass sentence ever. God died in the 19th century, and now we're here to fuck shit up. It, um, but yeah, that was... God. These sentences are roller coasters. I can't believe that he's he's talking about... The, an absence of godliness is what led to the Holocaust when the, the, the Nazis were fucking Christians. Yeah. They fucking thought God had their back. I just think about a lot of these like crazy right wing, like, just insane people uh, about their writing is that even though it's pretty awful and, uh, you know, just regressive, it's kind of fun to read because they will start out a sentence like a regular sentence and then by the end of it, you know, uh, Hitler did nothing wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, I mean, I can't believe some of the ways that they'll go with this sometimes. Uh, I, and you're right, it is fun to read their bullshit because you never have any idea how shit's going to turn out with a fucking right-wing uh, intellectual sentence. Um, here he has another, this is an actual quote from Jordan Peterson. 
um, which says chaos is the impenetrable darkness of a cave and the accident by the side of the road. It's the mother grizzly, all compassion to her cubs, who marks you as the potential predator and tears you to pieces. Chaos, the eternal feminine, is also the crushing force of sexual selection. Women are choosy maters. Most men do not meet female human standards. How dare women have a freedom as to who they pick to have sex with? <laughs> and And... Just because nobody wants to bang this guy, he thinks that it's society's fault. Um, fucking, do you I, you want to know Jordan Peterson's origin story? Because he has one. Oh my god, yes. I gotta look this guy up. He was at a college uh, in Canada. I don't know which ones. I don't give a sh- I don't give a shit. Uh, but he was up for tenure with some other professors, and he got passed over for a woman. And that's when Jordan Peterson decided to become some right-wing ideologue was I mean, a woman beat him. Dude. She was oh, better that than him. That has to be devastating. Yeah, I know, right? Can you can you imagine can you imagine it, Seth, that a woman might have have gotten something instead of you because she was better than you? That's mm. that's crazy. Just, How would you deal? Just makes me mad. It it says right here. I can't believe this fucking this this part right here. What I just read. Women are choosy maters. That's a character from Cars. All right, mater is a character from fucking Cars. Okay. Mater is not a word. I will fight anyone who says that it is. Yeah, I'll say this. I've never heard it used before. Um, if it's it's probably in some Scrabble dictionary somewhere, and it's you know a double word score or something. But I've never heard it used, and it sounds a it sounds pretty clunky when you use it in a sentence. Mater, like uh, that's what we call that's what we call a a tomato here around here. We call them maters. You know, we don't. Ah, Jesus. Um, one last, uh, little bit from Jordan Peterson here or from, from David Brooks, uh, talking about him is, um, let me see here. Let me find it real quick. It is the individual must conduct his or her life in the, in a manner that requires the rejection of immediate gratification of natural and perverse desires alike. Instead, choose discipline, courage, and self-sacrifice. To stand up straight with your shoulders back is to accept the terrible responsibility of life. Never lie. Tell your boss what you really think. Be straight with your children. Drop the friends who bring you down. Break free from the needy mother who controls you. The needy what? Mother. Wow. I mean, dude, every time this shit comes back around to women, it, it, the end of every one of these, like you said, it's a roller coaster. At first, it starts off with some fucking, like, uh, Starship Troopers nonsense about how everything is terrible and you should accept that and, and be strong. And then it comes around to, yeah, and tell your mom to fuck off because she she told you you couldn't have a toy truck one time. <laughs> like, fuck this guy. My God, dude. This is what counts as intellectualism among among right wingers is your mom is a problem and women are bad like that's it um that that's their entire fucking worldview yeah, I don't know there's a bunch of um butt hurt as they would say uh beta males yeah pretty much and it's it's just so fucking it's so funny to hear some of these guys complain especially like if you ever meet one IRL mm-hmm. oh my god these guys are just so funny and they they just like they're they they think they have it all figured out you know they took the red pill they they figured everything out and they're here to tell you how women actually hold all the power in society and aren't just ridiculously oppressed I've always found that red pill thing to be pretty ridiculous since that's a movie that is 
now made by two trans women and is when in, when you think about it in the light of them both being trans is a narrative about being transgender yeah like it totally is and they fucking co-opted it didn't you know a guy that one time in, in college some dude who was like all like gamergate right-wing dude i knew a, i knew a couple of them um but yeah, there there was one that was in a couple of my my major uh, classes from my major in the, the information technology field, and he uh, unsurprisingly not very popular. Um, he, anybody who talked to him was mostly just uh, bored, <laughs> wanted to hear something crazy. Yeah, that's generally how it is with those people. You know, if they're just trying to get attention, um, it kind of reminds me of this thing I saw today. Um, which was a, uh, uh, not today, it was a little while ago, it was a, a snippet from a, uh, a paper about um, the response to the KKK in the 1910s is mm-hmm. all these newspapers, you know, saw that the Klan was coming back, and so they started writing articles like, the Klan is terrible, and this is, this is how bad they are, and here are the people who are running it, and let's talk to them, these crazy assholes. And as a result... Um, the KKK membership tripled. Um, people started like joining up in droves because all they want is attention and giving them attention in mass media is just going to drive people closer to them. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's the basic principle that you learn whenever you're a kid on the playground, your parents tell you, you know, some, if some kids be mean to you, don't, don't cry, don't fight back. Don't give them the attention. Cause that's all he wants, you know? Yeah, it's it's and it's something that is, it's so simple, and yet we fall people fall for it all the time. You know, all these Donald Trump fans, a lot of them became Donald Trump guys because they heard that everyone hated Donald Trump and that all of his policies were insane and that he was he was an insanely stupid candidate to be president. People were like, well, that's that. I guess that's how to get the attention. Wear a Make America Great Again hat, and people will yell at you. You know, like I remember remember how many times you turn on the TV and you'd be seeing one of his speeches on CNN. For free, just they just just be playing it. Oh yeah, because it was a it was popular. People wanted to see how how crazy the crazy man is, and what fucking happened. Yeah, we didn't uh, we didn't ever really draw a line and say, okay, he's crazy. Now let's get on to the real politics and have actual people discuss stuff. We just kept letting it happen. Yeah, it's like we've we've gotten to a point in our society where we're more intrigued by being entertained by things so we won't ever you know turn it off even though it's having a bad effect on us yep we'll just sit there and we'll just we'll just continue to watch the fucking monkey cram shit into his mouth rather than do something more productive with our lives and then before you know it we're fucking thinking you know what that kind of looks pretty good yeah to be honest, I actually probably would watch a TV show of a monkey cramming shit into his mouth. <laughs> and that is I what guess is that's wrong with us. <laughs> say what now? What'd you say? What'd you say? <laughs> that's, that's, I was going to say, that's wrong with our, what's wrong with our society. What were you going to say? I was going to say, I was going to say that's probably a problem. <laughs> yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. It, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I do it too. I'll watch crazy uh, uh, shit sometimes when I know I probably should just stop and do something more productive. The other day I was at work and we had we were having uh, a little break and we were all in like a boardroom and I was uh, on my computer. We all were. We were just like playing around and I, I was on Reddit and I opened up this thing on the front page that said, uh, "Man literally eats shit off the ground." I was like, "Oh, let me see what this is," and it did not disappoint. <laughs> man picked up shit off the street and ate it in front of a whole crowd of people. I mean, what, what were you expecting? 
Yeah. Luckily, no one looked at my screen during that time. I don't know if everybody would have been interested. Uh, probably at this point, because we, you know, we'll just do whatever. Um, so I kind of think that that's it. Like, what do you think? Yes. You got anything else that we're done? Yeah, I think we're good for now. All right, cool. Um, so we have a special episode coming up in the foreseeable future. Oh, about about what? About that Netflix show. Oh right, yeah. We should we gotta work out. Definitely do that. For. Um, but yeah. Uh, so. For anyone that couldn't tell, this is our first. Uh, this is our first episode recorded entirely uh, remotely. Um, I'm still here in Georgia. Yep. Seth is off uh, in uh, somewhere else. Yep. And we're fucking recording this thing on our two. Our, I actually because I I tried it out with mother microphone, which was a, a blue snowball. I went and got the blue Yeti instead, um, just to see, or because I wasn't happy with the snowball's quality. Um, yeah. I gotta say, blue microphones, uh, go fuck yourself. You'll never get an ad from us. We'll never endorse you. Uh, this is a socialist podcast, and you'll be nationalized. So wait, socialists can't even endorse things they actually like. Nope. Oh, okay. <laughs> Can't do it. No, it's not. Well, I mean, here's the thing. I I can say that my blue. I'm very happy with my blue Yeti. I will never take money from blue to advertise the Yeti. I won't do that. I will never compromise the the sacred pact that I have with the listeners. Yeah, the millennials. You can't pay us off. No, we, right? we will not be bought. As soon as you give us any money, we know what your game is. Well, once we start our drip, we'll be able to support ourselves entirely. Yes. Now, the, yes, once we start dripping everywhere. And dripping all over the place, man. I mean, shit, if we if we start getting a lot of uh, of uh, driplets in our in our drip, we're going to turn this bad boy into a into a fucking full-on uh, stream. It'll be maybe it'll be like maybe a storm drain. Let's start at storm drain. Speaking of which, forward. we we need to actually like start streaming. I'm going to start streaming like shit on on Twitch and you're going to like uh comment. What's going to happen is I'm going to start up the game of Stellaris. As like a bunch of communist uh, snail boys, and you're gonna yes. you're, you're gonna read uh, uh, fucking uh, Das Capital um, while I play. How's that sound? Yeah, Das Capital and Wu Tang lyrics. Definitely. Um, so yeah, I think that's a, that's a show. Yeah. That's um, it. Go ahead. Thank you for listening, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at uh, MC Surf. That is S E R F. I'm at Life of Seth. There's underscores, whatever. If you, by the way, if you like this podcast, uh, you know what? Don't be afraid to tweet it out yourself and uh, tell your friends about it. Yeah, if you because, don't mind uh, dropping us some some uh, some publicity, that'd be pretty good. Some like-minded people to uh, you know jump in on this thing. Yeah, there's plenty of us out there, and uh, uh, our cover art, as always, is done by Marcus Barkley, who remains uh, beyond the reach of of absolutely people. anonymous. Yeah, well, you'll never find him. Don't even try. Um, so yeah, uh, y'all all take it easy. We'll see y'all again next week.